Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> We're in a fucking toupee, and he built a building with a T on it. That's my kind of guy. No, he's not. He doesn't give a shit about you. He didn't incinerate you and your grandmother if you had the chance. Go and make him some extra money. That clip you just heard was from July 18th, 2012. It is July 30th, 2018. Well, at least uh, the date that this podcast episode is being released. You might be listening at a different date. That's your business, not mine. Um, Well, welcome back to The Paradox of Civility. This is a podcast about an online radio show. A whole lot of platforms going on. The online radio show that I mentioned uh, was called The Hate Project. This was a show that set out to explore why people hated how they came to become um, bigots. And I tried to create a space that allowed for folks who were bigots, racist, sexist, homophobes, to call in and express their opinions anonymously so that we could get to a deeper discussion and hopefully an understanding of the root of their hatred. So on this episode, this third episode of Paradox of Civility, you're going to hear a compilation of clips from my second week of hosting The Hate Project. Now, this particular week, um, I didn't get any phone calls, so a lot of it was just me talking to myself, just sort of opining about different uh, topics involving race and racism. I was telling some stories about myself um, as an Indian American and my struggles with my own identity as well as the struggles with being an Indian American in wider American society and whiter American society. Did you like that? I hope so. Or not. I I really don't care. I also bring up a topic that I will return to throughout the entire run of The Hate Project, and that is, should America just have an official race war? Um, Maybe that will resolve this, get this all of our, all this hate out of our system. Um, I will, at the very end of this particular episode, I will return to this topic because I want to talk about it in light of recent events, like Charlottesville. Now, part of the mission of this podcast is that I am revisiting this online radio show, The Hate Project, in light of our current era that we live in, where Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. Now, back in 2012, Donald Trump was a big voice in the birther movement, Uh, For those that don't remember, that was the movement that implied that Obama was not born in America. Therefore, he was holding the office of the presidency illegally. Now, 2012 was an election year, and um, at the time, Mitt Romney was a Republican candidate against President Obama. And uh, one of his surrogates made a comment about Obama, how he, he wished Obama would learn how to be an American. Um, And so that set me off, and I talked about that on the radio. And um, also, Romney had attended a fundraiser, or Donald Trump uh, had thrown a fundraiser in May of that year for uh, Mitt Romney. So Donald Trump, in connection with the birther movement and the open racism, basically, of the birther movement, was very much on my mind. Um, I made a comment saying that, like, he would... You heard it just now... um, Kind of implying that, like, if this guy ever took power, um, he would do some Hitler-style uh, activity for profit. Um, 
listen to uh, this episode, and I'm going to come back at the very end and maybe just talk about that a little bit more. The very last clip, I talk about teaching a day camp, and I try to examine some problematic biases that I had at the time. Um, anyways, um, I will talk to you after uh, you listen to this. See you or talk to you soon. I'll tell you this. I, you know, I'm, I'm of Indian descent and like, I, I intellectually, like I, I love India intellectually. It's a beautiful, it's a rich country. It's a beautiful culture. There's a lot to it. Artistically, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I, I, I don't have, I never had a lot of Indian friends growing up, you know, and, um, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, kind of white bread and whitey, polite suburbs. And so like, Whenever I see like other Indians like at the airport, they seem like foreigners to me. And I wonder if like they look at me and just think I'm like some sort of sellout or something. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? I care. That's who. And so, you know, I wonder uh like like I I will like always dread like going through the security line at an airport. I'll always kick myself if I'm right behind an Indian family. Because I'll I'll sit there and think, oh God, everyone's going to think that I'm with them. Everyone's going to think we're related. I mean, fucking who cares if they think we're related? I don't know why I care about like you know the anonymous you know fucking white lady who might be like that's that's a that's an entire family. Why should I care? Seriously, ridiculous. Because like it's it's weird growing up. You you're taught that you're not the norm, and so you're taught that like that's foreign. And who are those those gypsy that gypsy race that I'm actually a part of and descended from? It's weird. I don't get it. But I can't. You know, I'm admitting this here. I, I'm never gonna like talk about this in in my life because like I'm not gonna have like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna admit weakness. <laughs> towards like my white friend, you know, like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want like people to feel comfortable, like being like, oh, you Indians are weird. Then I have to defend my people all of a sudden. Um, so a few nights ago I was talking about, you know, I think America needs a good race war. I think people are still, you know, people are still, we're all globally connected, yet locally disconnected. It, aren't I clever? God, aren't I clever? Did you hear that? Globally connected, locally disconnected. Wow. That was awesome. Can somebody like put my picture on Facebook and put that quote and spread that around? Like anytime somebody... Oh, God. Anyways. Um, uh, so... I was talking about, you know, America needs a good race war. You know, we always hear about this post-racial society crap, um, and I don't think it's there. I mean, you've you've had people like you've had like people in Congress like use the word tar baby, couple like in their in their you know comments about President Obama, and then like like I mean, didn't Michelle Bachman do that kind of recently? It's like a tar baby, and it's like you really don't know what that means. And then, like that's what happens. Like they, they're sort of like, oh, I don't, I don't. That's not, I'm not being racist. 
a couple of years ago, maybe like two or three years ago, there was a judge in, in Georgia who refused to, where was it? Georgia or Alabama? I can't even fucking remember. God, I'm unprepared. It was this judge in the South who refused to uh, marry this interracial couple. And, you know, when, when pressed as to why he, would, he didn't want to marry them, what he said was, I, I, you know, I'm not racist. I'm worried about the children. I'm worried about the children. Really, you care about them? <laughs> we already have one Lenny Kravitz running around. Can't have another one of those. I don't want another interracial president. I'm just looking up where that took place. So anyways, like people are doing racist stuff and then being like, I'm not racist. Okay, it was Louisiana. Sorry. And that guy resigned. So if that judge is out there, call in, buddy. Talk talk about why you felt the way you felt. Why'd you, why'd you deny that? Really, you care about the children? Because interracial children are hot. Anyways, um, I think it would be kind of cool to like just have an official race war. Like If I was president, I'd say, okay, America is going into a race war. And you would have the best and the brightest of each race. Just form an army. And everybody would meet at the same time. And it would be a fair fight. Everybody would be armed with, I'm going to say one baseball bat. One knife and one gun. And they're going to be the same type of gun. Like one group can't have machine guns and the other group has like a little musket or whatever. So, uh, and you meet at 8 a.m. one morning and then a race war commences. Who would win? I know like a lot of white dudes are like out there arrogantly being like, well, why? Oh, well, we are because we're, we, we were told that we were special. We win everything. Not if it was like an even fair fight. You know? Think about that. Hmm? Huh? I'm drinking wine while I do a radio show. The beauty of the internet. Blog talk radio. Thank you. I bet if this was a real job, they would be like, oh, you can't do that on the air. You're fired. Some Some bitter station manager. So if there was like a race war, who would win? If you have any opinions about that, call in at 347-539-5387. Now, I have uh, this proposed race war where all the races meet, the race armies meet. Here's a little bit of an issue. Where do the mixed race peoples go? I kind of argued that you know, if you're of mixed descent, you can choose your army. Or... Maybe all mixed-race people could just be their own army, if that makes any sense. Because here's the thing, you know, if you were half white, half black, you, you could choose to go to the black side, and they would accept you. I guarantee you, like, on the white side, you, you'd get hit with friendly fire. Even if, like, the, the commander, <laughs> the general, lieutenant, whomever is in charge, um, you know, even if they were like, oh, he's good. Not everyone would listen. There's always disorganization in any uh, in any uh, any uh, organization. So I don't know. So like you might be better off just going to the oppressed side of your genetics. If you're like you know Mexican and Chinese, where would you go? Hmm. And I wonder also what what happens uh, with the Jews. 
did the Jews just become their own army or do they get to go amongst the white folks? And what about the, like, the people who aren't white, who are Jewish but not white, like the uh, Ethiopian Jews, the Arab Jews? Things are like if you really had a race war, you'd have to like really think about this and organize this properly. I mean, it's nothing to take lightly. If you have any ideas on how to facilitate this, uh, call in at 347-539-5387. So I'm Indian. I wonder how the Indians would do. It's interesting. I don't know how we'd. Do. I mean, I you know I feel like we're a clever people. We 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 could we could plan well. We we know how to do that. Um, you know, if you ever go to India, you know you could you could haggle. You haggle for goods and stuff like that. We could maybe haggle our opponents to death. And I wonder how much you know. Would it like if it was like literally like we're all just out for ourselves, or, or like would there be alliances, or like would everyone just kind of decide to gang up on white folks? Yeah, I don't know. Or would people? Yeah, that's a good question. Three four seven five three nine five three eight seven. Give me a call. One of some news is here. Yeah, I just I I don't get it. You know, Romney's still uh, attacking Obama on this birth birther thing. Is that all you have? Isn't that a little racist? No white president has been asked to like where they were born. In fact, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor, I still remember people wanted him to run for president, and there were people like who were out to change the Constitution, to let that loophole, to let Arnold in, to be the president. It's ridiculous. Then he showed his birth certificate, and then like people are still just like, well, I, I don't believe it. He's not. He's not from here. It's ridiculous, man. Oh, brother. Learn how to be an American. God. Jerk off. It's just weird like that. Like, just... you. We all know you want to say, fuck that black guy. I hate him. So just say it. And if you feel like saying it, call in at 347-539-5387. 347-539-5387. Oh. So in this show, we've, we've so far, from what I can surmise, we've only had white guys call in. You know, I have not heard some, anyone who's identified themselves as a person of color call in yet. Um, I haven't had uh, any women call in. I haven't had anyone who's identified as gay or has identified themselves gay on the show call in. So what is up, guys? Like, you know, we just have, like, the white guys, and it's been, like, one, you know, on one end, like, we've had, like, one guy who's openly, like, bigoted. And on the other end, we've had, like, you know, white guys sort of being ashamed of being white guys and uh, decrying their uh, privilege and sort of explaining their privilege. And it's like, yeah, okay. We know all this, but like, why? Why is the race topic? 
being held by white people only. I, I know how I set up my show. I know I said, you know, we invite racists and sexists, and typically they're white folks. But people of color, come in and battle, dude. Come in and battle. Come on. Do it for me. I'm, I'm one of you. A person of color? I'm a person of a very pretty color. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to taste me when you meet me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be the show from now on. I'm just going to make pervert noises until somebody calls in. I don't know why, and this is this is another thing that drives me up the wall. Why doesn't Obama just fight back? Like, just just go bash in on them. I, I like most Americans do not identify Obama as Christian. Why? Like when people bring up the birth certificate thing, like get on a camera, get on a camera, and just be like, "Fuck you," and just call them out. I would be like, if I was him, if I was his campaign manager, I would just be like, the moment Mitt Romney like brings that up, I would be doing campaign commercials with like Mitt Romney like in a Klan outfit or something. Just just Photoshop him in a Klan outfit. I'd be so dirty. Like get, this birth certificate thing is like playing dirty. So play, you can do it back. I don't know. I get the feeling he doesn't want to be president anymore. I think he realized he was like really over his head and over his head. And, uh, Trump is coming back and he's uh he's bringing up his birther thing even though like Obama he he sort of like spearheaded this uh birther uh thing about Obama's birth certificate questioning it and then um and then uh you know he he showed his long form birth certificate last year and uh Trump is still saying that he, nothing's changed his mind but um what a piece of shit if I was president, I would just fucking, I would just, I would wage war. I would just like fucking bomb the Trump Towers. Are you kidding me? The guy's a fucking, oh, this brings up another topic. This is something that I hate. New York, New York wealth, where I'm based, versus wealth, Northeast wealth versus Southern wealth. Okay, in the South, in Texas, where I'm from, when people are rich, they're just obnoxious. They'll buy this loud-ass huge car. They'll buy those loud 10-gallon hats and stuff like that. They'll buy, buy these loud clothes, and they'll just be like, Whoa! they're very like they're people like that, you know, would seem very crass, and they're just very loud and obnoxious about their wealth. They'll buy some blinged-out jacuzzi or something. But in the Northeast, wealth is coupled with like this weird sort of like name prestige. It's a very like uptight, very austere. This prestige. Oh, he's a Wellington. Ooh, stay. Don't look at him in the eyes. He's a Wellington. And Donald Trump is a product of that. Like, that's a guy, like, his father was accomplished, but he's a guy who's born into money. What has he accomplished on his own? Nothing. And I say nothing because he had money to begin with. Yeah, of course he started with, like, $40 million. Yeah. I'd probably just be like, I'm just going to build a building with my name on it. Yeah, why not? The worst part is that like people just buy into it all the time. 
And Northeasterners consider themselves like really liberal and progressive, and we're real. We're not materialistic. We're real. We care about people. No, you don't. They care about prestige. They care about like this abstract sort of like unrealistic sort of importance that's not real or concrete. It's just because somebody's been saying it for generations and we all go along with it. It's like, oh yeah, New York, you know, we're we're real here and we you know, we care about people. We go we work hard. Oh, Donald Trump <laughs> We're in a fucking toupee and he built a building with a T on it. That's my kind of guy. No, he's not. He doesn't give a shit about you. He didn't incinerate you and your grandmother if he had the chance. He would make him some extra money. So which one's worse? Northeast wealth or south wealth? Southern wealth. South wealth. Learn how to talk, Roy. And you have about three and a half minutes to call in if you if you agree or disagree. 347-539-5387. It's something weird. It's like this it's like the Hamptons. Oh well. He is a, it's like those F. Scott Fitzgerald novels. These debutante balls, like it's still there. And it's like people grown ups buy into this. Oh, he's a Ribbington? Okay, I'll, I'll buy into that. He's important. He's more important than I am. It's like, which one's worse? Like, this, this weird sort of idea of prestige that people just buy into that's false? Or this sort of obnoxious materialism? Which one's worse? I don't even know. Do you have an opinion on this? 347-539-5387. You know, I could still do a good show without you fucking people. You're, you're, you guys are pussies. Is everybody like really like people like you're you're not harboring any hatred you're and everyone's just going to bed right now everything's all right in the world everything's good you're a person of color like all people of color out there listening you haven't faced any prejudice are you that delusional ha 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 boy oh thank you for calling me boy. <laughs> Yes, because racism is over, and uh, I am good here. <laughs> I should, you know, I'm based in the Northeast. I should play into like that bullshit Northeast prestige that people hold on to. I just wonder, like anybody who like takes the Wellington seriously or takes Donald Trump seriously. I wonder if, like, on their deathbed, they're like, "I like that guy," <sighs> and that's their last moment. I was actually impressed by that guy, that spoiled little brat, who really should have gotten his ass kicked when he was 11 years old, and he didn't. I sat there and like fucking got an erection while watching The Apprentice. This day, he's one of us. No, he isn't. Ridiculous. I'm uh, I'm doing a day camp right now uh, at a in a neighborhood that's very affluent. It's outside of the city, and it's a neighborhood that's very affluent. Now, most of the kids are of white descent, Caucasian kids, and they're you know pretty well off white kids. A lot of them are lovely. They're a lot of fun to work with, but there are these three brothers who are just fucking assholes. They purposely disrupt the workshop every day, every time. 
Every time we do an exercise, they purposely disrupt it and they purposely run around and cause chaos to halt the entire thing so that we can just stop and say, okay, we can't move forward until you three assholes get it together and just fucking calm down. And this is the problem is that, like, I can't just be like, hey, can you just go outside and just lock them out the door or, you know, I mean, I want to do that. I mean, I, I have no biological impulse to protect these kids. A, a strange man could be walking by and scoop one of them up, and I would just be like, all right, well, I guess he's out of the group. Really would. So, uh, anyways, now here's, here's why I'm bringing this up. I, I, I especially hate these three well-off white kids. They're young boys, not mature, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm afraid that they will never suffer any consequences and they will really cause damage to the world when they grow up. They seem to be kids who cause problems, they cause chaos, they act like obnoxious assholes because, and this is me just making assumptions, they don't seem like they're disciplined at home. They seem like the type of people, like their parents, I'm assuming, like they'll take them to a department store and these dumb kids will like break everything in the department store and their mother will just be like, oh, they're just playing. They're just, they're just being little kids. They're just playing. Oh, gosh. Or, like, they'll go to a restaurant and these three kids will, like, go to another table and start fucking with somebody else's food or something. And then uh, their mother would just be like, oh, I know. They're, they're just hilarious, aren't they? They're, they're just so, <laughs> they're so neat, aren't they? <laughs> hey, keep your fucking kid away from my food. Anyways. The detail of them being well-off white kids is incredibly important, and it's why I'm bringing this up at all. I am afraid that these kids are just going to run ramshot over everybody in their lives, and they'll get away with it. And they'll attain positions of power, not out of their own earning, but because they're connected. They'll ruin lives. If you don't believe me that that happens, uh, look at, uh, you know, George W. Bush. That's a famous example. Somebody who is well-connected and did not earn a damn thing in his life um, and ruined lives. So uh, this is horrible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there. This is a horrible thought. I was walking back, you know, I was trying to get back home after the camp, and I was like, I'm, I, I actually feel threatened by these three white kids. Because they're so crazy, they don't listen to authority, they're so undisciplined, they're so chaotic, and I'm like, I'm more threatened by these three white kids than I would be if these kids were, happened to be black. If they were doing the same thing, acting up, but they were in a poor black neighborhood. How horrible is that? And I wasn't threatened because like, if they were like doing the same thing, saying the same things, acting all crazy in a poor black neighborhood... In our heads, in my head at least, it's like, all right, they're not going to go anywhere. They, they won't do anything. They'll just be poor and black here and annoyed, <laughs> get smacked by their mother every once in a while. All right, we're good. How horrible is that? I'm ashamed of that. But it's because these, it's these three well-off white kids from this affluent neighborhood. I'm just like, oh, my God. This is the next generation of people who are just going to crash our economy again and start unnecessary wars to work out their Freudian tendencies or to make some extra billions, they must be stopped. 
what if they were just doing the same exact stuff, saying the same exact things, causing the same amount of disruption? They were just poor and black. I would just be like, okay, now we're good. This 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 won't leave here. But uh, they're three rich white kids, and uh, they do not listen to repeated forms of like, hey, could you please stop that? Hey, could you please stop that? They literally don't hear that. There's not that filter. Hey, could you please stop that? I told you not to do that. Can we all calm down? There's not that filter. That makes them act up even more. Even like when I'm not paying attention to them, like when it's like, so what are we learning from this exercise? They just start screaming, meh, 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 meh. not learning anything. Little demon fuckers. Ugh, their mother needs to be slapped. Seriously. I don't know, guys. I mean, uh, am I wrong about this? Is this is this horrible? I think it's kind of horrible. This double standard I, I set up in my head. Call in. Have a discussion. It's what this is about. You can anonymously call in and agree or disagree with me. And we can have it out. Anyways, so in high school, you know, I was just alone for the most part. Nobody, like, wanted me. You know, everyone kind of found their cliques. Everybody found their cliques. Everyone found their crews. Everyone found their people. I wasn't even, like, that bullied. I was kind of made fun of a, a lot. But, like, I wasn't even that bullied. I was just sort of, like, left alone. You know, like, I was just sort of like, oh, no, you can't join us. No, you can't join us here. No, no, we're we're good. You can't. No. You know, it was just kind of that, right? So it's just like a lonely existence. But I just remember uh, uh, one day I was in the parking lot. I was trying to get to my car. It's like senior year. And this is why I'm cynical about any sort of like, you know, positivity, positive movements, positivity and self-help and change in people. We had community days at our high school. It's a private high school, all boys high school. We had a community days retreat. And, you know, everybody, you know, people poured their hearts out. People, people, clicks crossed over to each other. And as a senior class, we sort of like became one. And like, it felt that way at least at the time. Like, oh, we really are one full community. We're not just like the cool kids or the jocks or the nerds over here. It's like one group of people. And it was an amazing experience. Right. So anyways, um, a week after that, um, I'm at a football game at my school and I'm walking to my car to, to go home or go somewhere. And I'm trying to walk. And like this other kid is um, this kid named John, a white kid. He's driving. He's with uh, this kid, Chris, who was a Mexican kid. They're in their car and uh, he doesn't see me walking, you know, but then like he sees me in the nick of time. He honks his horn as if it's my fault that I'm in the road and he's not watching. He's in a fucking car. And his windows are open. And, uh, uh, you know, he yells out, Dude, get out of my way or I'll run your Indian ass over. And Chris, the Mexican, was laughing, but he was, like, trying to, like, be my friend, too, by giving me a high five as they were driving by. And it's like community days a retreat for three days, an important milestone in our lives where we, we discovered that we're all brothers here at our high school and that uh, uh, we are, we're not just, we're not just, you know, a jock, a nerd, a black, a white, an Asian. 
we can all hang out together. We all, we're all one community. And it felt real during those days. Then the next week, I'm going to run your Indian ass over, like, because he's not watching where he's going. John did not crash his car that night, but oh boy, I hope he crashed his car. So, John, if you're out there listening, I hope you hope you're dead. Um, I hope if uh, you had a family, they're dead too. <laughs> this is a fucking. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think I'm wrong about wishing his family dead. If some if some dumb bitch was dumb enough to spread her legs for him, he, look, I, I have no sympathy for what happens to her in her life, honestly. Anyone else have any stories there? Um, I'm really digging myself a hole. I mean, I'm I'm trying to make this as negative as possible so that your hatred could be seen as positive, people. So if you have a beef against Mexicans, I, I, I'm alley-ooping you. I'm setting you up, dude. 347-539-5387. I'm going to run your Indian ass over, as if, like, that was a reason. God, fucking Indians, they always... They, they're always in your way when you're trying to pull out of a parking lot. You know, you guys know that stereotype, right? Look, it's kind of true. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> they're oh, uh, you know, you're just trying to like get home. You you're coming from the grocery store. You just want to get home to Sally and and you know Troy and Will and and little Eva. And, uh, you know, uh, you're just trying to get home and like, there's always like, right when you're pulling out and about to drive out of the parking lot, always some dude in a turban. You know, that stereotype, it's, it's kind of true. I mean, I'll, I'll, okay. I get it now, John. Fucking Indians and parking lots don't mix. <laughs> Man, I amused myself. Um, honestly, I miss doing a radio show. Um, doing something that goes out live uh, where you can talk about anything was a lot of fun. Uh, doing a podcast is not that fun. Um, maybe you can surmise that right now. I don't know. you know. But doing an online radio show or even any radio show, terrestrial radio show, uh, a lot of fun. I recommend anyone out there try it. Now, as I promised at the top, I will address some of the themes, some of the topics, some of the people that came up uh, from these clips in 2012. I'll start with the day camp. Um, yeah, part of this podcast is to just as much explore my own work, my own uh, conversation, hosting ability, and maybe where I went wrong. Um, where I was problematic. Um, pretty obvious. Um, yeah, I do believe that, you know, often white kids, wealthy white kids, they go unchecked and then they go on to uh, somehow attain the highest offices in the land, um, including our current situation right now. Um, but I guess, like, you know, 
what could have come off from that was um, I was almost putting out the message that all black people just live in the ghetto, so they're stuck there. But look at me, I'm acknowledging how messed up that is. But it's like there's another messed up assumption behind this <laughs> uh, first messed up assumption that I'm trying to unpack as a good guy. So um, there's that. Now, on the Donald Trump stuff, uh, especially that comment I made about how he'd incinerate you and your grandmother for a buck, um, I obviously did not know that he would be president eventually. Um, somehow, though, that comment was, I was doing some sort of a thought experiment or something in the moment of like, well, if that guy was president or if that guy somehow had power over other people, yeah, he'd incinerate people and profit off of it. Um, have we gotten to that point yet uh, in 2018? Not that I know of, but the for the buck part, uh, the suffering for a buck, causing suffering for a buck, yes, we have. Now, the Trump administration, they have instituted a policy, a zero-tolerance policy, uh, that allows them to separate families that are crossing the border into America. Often, uh, people are placed in detention centers, and children are forcibly taken away from their parents, and they're placed in other detention centers around the country. And despite a federal judge's order that these families be reunited, many, many families have still not been reunited. Um, and in fact, our government has lost track of some children, and um, you know, it's hard to reunite them, basically. Now, I want to focus on GeoGroup and Core Civic. These are the world's two biggest private prison companies. These two companies work alongside ICE to operate these detention centers. According to an article in the New York Observer from June 20th, 2018, uh, the stocks of Geo Group and Core Civic were outperforming the market. They saw a big increase. And in this article, uh, immigration attorney R. Andrew Free says that the proposed solution being floated to these companies is that is more family detention. Uh, on their stock calls, their corporate re representatives mentioned these contracts are very good and very profitable and provide a new source of revenue. I recently watched Night and Fog, directed by French director Alain Renier. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, probably the best film about the Holocaust I've ever seen, because within 30 minutes, it not only delves into the creation of concentration camps, it exposes the horrors that happened there unflinchingly, as well as the aftermath. Um, all within 30 minutes. I recommend anyone watch it. I just want to share a bit of narration from this film that I've been thinking about. A concentration camp is built like a grand hotel. You need contractors, estimates, competitive offers, and no doubt friends in high places. Any style will do. The Swiss style, the garage style, a Japanese model, no style at all. The leisurely architects plan the gates. No one will enter more than once. Meanwhile, Berger, Stern from Amsterdam, Schumiewski from Krakow, people go on living their everyday lives, ignorant that there's a place for them 600 miles from home. You noted that both Geo Group and Core Civic donated substantially to the Trump campaign, as well as other Republican political action committees as far as a uh, race war um, we've been having a lot of battles in this country um, 
Most notably, the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally in August of 2017, where a young woman, uh, Heather Hare, was killed by James Alex Fields, who was part of a white nationalist, white supremacist group called Vanguard America. Um, now, they have applied, Jason Kessler, who organized the first Unite the Right, he has applied to uh, march again this year, uh, I think August 12th as well this year, uh, in Washington, D.C., as a reunion that nobody wanted. And there have been several events that have ended in violence, uh, clashes between right-wing groups and anti-fascist counter-protesters that have taken place all over the country before and after Charlottesville, most notably in Berkeley. Um, and there's another one coming up before the Unite the Right uh reunion um that's happening on august 4th uh in portland i sound like an entertainment director for a cruise and i apologize but anyways um that is being uh organized by patriot prayer which is run by a guy named joey gibson who's actually a candidate for uh the u.s senate for the state of washington yeah running for office openly so Gibson uh, put out a Facebook video, and he made a statement about this upcoming rally. Uh, I just want to read a portion of it here. He says, Go into a city that is filled with so much hate, so much darkness, so much deception, where they constantly take their hate, their racism, their bigotry, and project it on us. If the rest of the country doesn't wake up, they're going to end up just like Portland. We all know Portland is the laughing stock of the country. Everyone knows that, except people within Portland itself. Even Oregon itself absolutely hates its own city of Portland. It is disgusting. It is a laughingstock. Everyone knows that but Portland. That's why it is so important that we go into Portland with freedom-loving Americans, people who love this country, people who respect God, and go into these dark cities. We need to go straight into hell. So yeah, uh, not only is he organizing a rally in another state that he's not a part of um yeah the language is that of somebody going into war so a lot of people have been trying to stoke a race war apparently this group has been harassing people all over the pacific northwest i have a link that i can share uh in the description below i have uh, a couple more episodes from blog talk radio that i will be airing this week uh, and then after that, um, I will be airing some more episodes where I moved to TalkShoe, which was another online radio forum. And uh, that's where I actually did start interacting with actual um, white supremacists, white nationalists, um, members of hate groups, as it were. So, um, yeah, this is sort of the start of this journey, um, and it will get a little bit more deeper into that as we go along. I hope you stay tuned, and I hope you follow along. And, of course, if you have any feedback for me, please uh, email me, comment. And if you want to share this episode or any other episode with other people, please do so. Thank you so much. I will talk to you next time.